Hey, everybody. Just so you know, we are just your friendly neighborhood PAs. And what we say here is not intended to be taken as medical advice. Please consult your actual PA. And with that, we'll get started. So hi, I'm Sarah. Hi, I'm Jen. And this is your Fruitful 15, where small changes in your daily habits can yield big results. So Sarah, what do you want to talk about today? Oh my goodness. Well, I know we're taking our tour of the pillars of lifestyle medicine. And so (laughs) I'm hoping that today we can talk some more about physical activity slash exercise. I'm clapping for you. (laughs) That sounds great. I'm excited. (laughs) Me too. So let's talk about what the recommended amount of physical activity is. I'm so glad we're talking about this because I feel like people just think that you need 7,000 hours of physical activity (laughs) or zero. That seems to be extremes. And so I think it would be helpful to just clarify what is the number? What is the magic number? Great. So there's lots of evidence-based organizations that specialize in making these kinds of recommendations. Some of those are the American College of Sports Medicine, the American Heart Association, the American College of Cardiology, the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control. And the one that clinicians use most commonly is from the Department of Health and Human Services, which has the very exciting name of Physical Activity Guidelines. (laughs) So... You need at least 150 minutes of moderate intensity aerobic activity. And Sarah, do you want to expound a little bit about what that means? Yeah, it's a bit confusing, right? Like moderate physical activity. How do I measure that? What is that? Basically, I tell my patients that that is any activity where you could still carry on a conversation but you could not like hold a note while you were singing, for example. So you're a little out of breath, your heart's pumping, but you're not so out of breath that you can't chat with me. So lots of different things like jogging or walking at a brisk pace, dancing on a slower pace, you know, like those middle school arms out kind of deals. (laughs) Right. Vacuuming, running after your toddler, for example. (laughs) These are all examples of moderate aerobic physical activity. Yes, exactly. Other things like yard work, leisurely biking, the crazy exertional mountain biking, but riding like your bike to work, that could also be moderate intensity. So we're saying 100, so not just we, but the guidelines say 150 minutes of moderate intensity aerobic activity. And I should say at least, because we know the evidence suggests that more is better. There's more benefit beyond the minimum or 75 minutes a week of vigorous activity. Do you want to give us some examples of those? So this is where you would not be able to carry on a conversation. So you're actually running, you're swimming laps, you're biking more quickly, um, anything where you just can't discuss the taxes with your husband because you're (laughs) exerting yourself so much. And we know the evidence says All of these organizations say, if you go beyond those 150 minutes or beyond those 75 minutes, you get additional benefits to your health. And that's great. Some people are really overwhelmed just by the idea of 150 minutes. But we'll talk about later in the episode how you can work your way up to that 150 minutes. Yeah, that's a good point too. We don't have to start off with 150 minutes a week. We could start with five minutes a week and that's a great place to start too. 
Yeah, I think you guys are going to recognize the theme of this episode is anything is better than nothing. Yes. Anything is better than nothing and more is better than less. Yes. (laughs) Yes. What about strength training? What do you have to say about strength training? All right. So what I say is what the guidelines say, and that is that we recommend two days of strength training a week. And, you know, the really cool thing about strength training is, you know, you get benefits to your muscles, obviously, you get more tone and it helps with our bone density too. So I think oftentimes we think about strength training, we think about like someone you mentioned earlier when we were chatting about this podcast, Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Yes, with huge muscles, but actually all of us need to be doing strength training because all of us need to be concerned about our bone health. Osteoporosis, osteopenia is not something that just affects women. It can also affect men. And strength training is the number one way that we can help protect our bones and keep them strong. Yeah. There are so many benefits to strength training. When we do strength training, we are burning extra calories and increasing our metabolism. And it's also a great way for patients, for example, with diabetes to manage their blood sugar. So it's almost like a trick for enhancing and being even more efficient with your physical activity. (laughs) Nice job, Sarah. Yeah. You know, there was a cool study I saw that said when we just do like three sets of 10 reps of a strengthening exercise that we increase our resting metabolism 5% for the three days after we do it. Three days. That's like a hundred calories burned for three days after just 30 minutes of weights, which I was like, that is some serious bang for your buck, right? Yeah. Talk about efficiency. And if you're interested in that study, we will link it in the show notes along with the recommendations from some of these major organizations. Yes. And then, you know, another cool thing about strength training that I just remembered when we were talking about diabetes is that trained muscle will burn twice as many calories. I should say almost twice. It burns like nine calories per pound versus five calories per pound of untrained muscle. So when we have trained muscles, just like sitting around, we're burning almost twice as much calories at baseline. So that's another reason for me, like it keeps me very motivated to do strength training because I'm like, I'm just getting the bonus of sitting still and burning almost twice as many calories. So I'm all about that. I'm all about that. Yes, we love our tips and tricks over here, don't we? Yes, maximize, maximize and optimize. Yes. So sometimes I have patients, I say to them, we're going to get some exercise. Let's start working on aerobic and strength training. And their eyes just like glaze over (laughs) and or their eyes look like the deer in the headlights. Like, oh God, she's going to talk to me about exercise, right? Right. Whereas I found if I talk to them about if I just say physical activity, they're a little bit less terrified. Do you have that experience too? Yes, completely. And something you and I mentioned is that we live in a super gym heavy culture, right? Like it's so much the norm that we go to the gym, which is great. Like you and I are all for gyms, but also as you pointed out, your physical activity does not need to be a separate activity, right? This should be things ideally that we're incorporating into our life. So like, for example, in the blue zones, which is to give a little ding for the blue zones, the place that has the longest lived people in the world, the places, there's five of them on earth. One of them is the United States and Loma Linda, California. 
people don't go to the gym for the most part. They are just incorporating physical activity into their lives in a very useful way. So they're riding their bikes to the supermarket. They are raking their leaves. They are carrying their children. They're carrying their grandchildren. They're carrying their grand pets. So whatever, whatever they can carry around. And I think that's really helpful to think about too, is that we don't necessarily need to be going to a gym to do the Stairmaster. We can also be raking our leaves. We can offer to rake our neighbor's leaves. We can shovel our neighbor's snow. You know, these are all great ways that we can incorporate more both physical activity and community and care for other people in our lives into, you know, our daily routines. Yeah, I think this is a great point, which is this mindset shift from exercise or physical activity needs to be this separate entity in my day that I make time for, that I put on gym clothes for, that I go somewhere to do, that I have to have these special environmental things to achieve. And really, it's not like that. If we can just shift our mindset to how do I just incorporate moving my body throughout the day, that's really where we really get the benefits is by thinking of it that way instead of as a separate entity. 100%. And I would actually even challenge people to make a little game of it because I do this sometimes. It's just to see how many extra steps I can get in my day. And I remember a great quote from Dr. Hans Deal. He said, the far away grocery parking spots are for people who want to live the longest. So I mean, ideally we're riding our bikes to the grocery store, but you might not live in a community where you can do that. So if you drive your car, don't park the closest you can park, park the furthest you can park away and take those extra couple hundred steps to get in and to get back. And then when you get home, see if you can go up and down the stairs a couple extra times, or if you're at work, instead of taking the elevator, try taking the stairs every time. Just challenge yourself to figure out how you can get more activity into your day. Yeah. And we should note that actually there are studies now that show that even people who go to a gym for 30 minutes to an hour every day, if they spend the rest of their day sitting all day, which many, many, many of us do, you have a similar risk of mortality to people who don't move at all. So yes. So it's very important that you move throughout your day. So what I do is I will work steadily for 25 minutes. And then after 25 minutes, the timer rings, I get up, I do three or four types of movement, or I go for a little walk or something like that so that I'm moving throughout the day. That's so smart. Do you set a timer on your phone? How do you do this? So I actually have a visual timer because the phone easily distracts me. So I use just like a little gray timer. We can link it in the show notes. We're not sponsored by them, but it's nice to have that visual cue of like, okay, I've sat for 25 minutes. Now I'm going to get up. I'm going to do some stretches and some strength training, and then I'm going to sit back down for 25 minutes. That is brilliant. I might have to steal that tip. That is a really good one. Steal it, Jen. Steal it. (laughs) All right. So what other types of physical activity exist out there? Well, so we talked about just being physical throughout your day. And then sometimes though, people might have different goals or different reasons that they want to start exercising more. So some of the other more intentional kinds of exercise would be like aerobic exercise, such as jogging or swimming, and then strengthening exercises like we talked about with weights or flexibility, you know, stretching or yoga or something like that. So Sarah, I was wondering if you could share with us what type of exercise you love the most. Yeah, I'd love to. 
you know, I think it's actually one of my goals to find a type of exercise or a type of physical activity within each of the categories. So in the aerobic category, I really love to run and because it's meditative and it gets your body moving and it just feels really good to me. So that's that category. And then in strengthening, I love to do high intensity interval training. So I like anything that's very short. I can incorporate it into my day really easily and get it done five, 10 minutes. So I love that. And then for flexibility, I love yoga for similar reasons to running. It's just a great way to be meditative and move your body and and get in touch with your body. What about you, Jen? Those are great. And I'm asking you this for a reason because we're going to talk about this a little bit more coming up. And I'm hoping that our listeners are thinking about what their favorite types of exercises are too. But to answer your question, so my favorites would be hiking because I love being outdoors in nature. And where I live in Arizona, we have amazing scenery. And so I kind of feel like hiking is a twofer because again, in the blue zones, the people who live the longest, one of their other habits that they have is that they're outdoors in nature. And Sarah is doing a great example of that today, sitting outside while we're recording this podcast. And you might hear some birds chirping in the background while we're recording. But I feel like when you're outside and you're exercising, it's a twofer, right? So you get your outdoor exposure and you also get your aerobic or maybe it's depending on how fast you go, could be high intensity exercise. So hiking is one of my favorites. And then as far as the flexibility goes, I'm really into Pilates right now. I have found that to be really fun and a great way for me to get more flexible. And also Pilates incorporates a little bit of strengthening too. So again, kind of a, a double bonus there. And then I like to lift some weights too. And one thing Sarah and I both love is to lift weights while we're watching TV. So basically the only time I'll let myself watch TV is when I'm exercising because otherwise I would probably just sit there for a week's on end. So if I'm watching TV, then I'm going to be lifting some weights or doing some squats or doing some wall pushups, something like that. I love that. Thanks. So Sarah, do you think one kind of exercise is better than the others? What do we know about that? Well, obviously the ones I do are better than all the other ones. <laughs> obviously. I think that's one of our favorite types of questions, right? Because the answer is sort of smushy. And the answer is like, first of all, the best type of exercise is the exercise you do. So <laughs> we're going to say that, as you wisely said earlier. And then thinking about what your specific goal is, if you have a specific goal, that can really target which type of exercise might be the best exercise for you. So if you want to increase your flexibility, running or biking may not be the right type of exercise to do right now. Maybe yoga or Pilates is the better option for you. So I think it really depends on your goals, what type of exercise is the best. That's a great point. So what about a question that we get a lot and that's, do I need to check with my healthcare provider before I get started? Yeah. So the guidelines from these major organizations say, no, we don't need to check in with our doctor before we get started, especially if you're just thinking about doing something like a walking program or something that's going to be light to moderate intensity. But you should watch out for some warning signs like getting dizzy, short of breath, having chest pain, especially if you have chest pain at rest, or if you're just unstable on your feet or if you've had a recent concussion, you should really talk to a doctor before you get started. 
what would you say, Jen, if I said to you, is it safe for me to get started exercising? You know what I'd say? I'd say, Sarah, is it safe for you not to get started exercising? (laughs) Spoiler alert, listeners, it is not safe for you to continue to not exercise. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, but with all that being said, I think we all know, I think we all agree, exercise is good for me. Exercise, I should do it. But we don't, right? There are really good studies out there that say a large proportion of Americans, a large proportion of the world is sedentary. Right. Like 95%, right? Yeah. Super yeah. high. Like 95% do not meet these guidelines. Right. I'm pretty sure is the statistic right now. So what's the problem and how can we tackle it? Well, one is making time. How do we make time for it in our busy, busy lives? Yeah. And I think one of the keys to this one is finding joy in the physical activity that you choose. If it's something that you don't enjoy, if it's running on a treadmill and you hate it, you're not going to do it. So if you can find something you really enjoy doing, like watching TV and doing weights, then you're much more likely to just do it. Exactly. And I think too, another tip would be that sometimes we need to try a few things to know if you're really going to like it or if you're just going to hate it. I know sometimes people are surprised by what they might enjoy. Like they might be shocked that they really enjoy pickleball or that they're really into frisbee golf or like me, that they like to lift weights when they watch television. (laughs) So I think sometimes we need to be creative and just be open to trying some new things that might be better matches for our personality. Yeah. And I think there can be a lot of fun in that too, like exploring different options and take a friend with you obviously in a pandemic safe way and make it a social connection activity too. (laughs) One of the other things I hear that seems to be a barrier is that people are a little intimidated and don't know how to do it. I especially hear this with like strength training activities. So what do you talk to your patients about with respect to knowing how to do it? Yes. So I think it kind of depends on the patient, right? So I am a huge fan of physical therapists just because they have years of education as physical therapists and now their entry-level degree is a doctorate. And if you have health insurance, visits with them might even be covered. And so they are just fantastic resources. They know everything about body mechanics that anyone could ever know. They are just wonderful resources for patients. And if you don't have access to a physical therapist or maybe don't have health insurance right now, you can go on YouTube. There's great free videos, just how to get started with some lightweights. And I would say when you are first getting started, if you've never done weights before, maybe try a two or three pound weight just to get yourself started. There's, you can always find them either online, like used, you can find them at like stores that resell sports products. They're not terribly expensive. Like you can get a decent set for 10 or 15 bucks of those like you know, starter weights. And then I think for some people too, maybe if they're maybe healthier and have not had any injuries and they just want to know how to do something basic like a biceps curl, or they want help with accountability, I think a personal trainer can be a good option. But with the caveat that I think both you and I would agree that sometimes just because they have a much shorter training period, that their specific knowledge about people who have had injuries might not be as comprehensive So some of them are great, but just make sure you're seeing one that's certified. And I would say, certainly if you can start with a physical therapist, just because of their breadth of knowledge, what would you add to that? 
I would say physical therapists are awesome and I highly, highly recommend anybody who's had any sort of trauma or injury to your body that you seek one out if you're able to. And even if you're not able to go do visits with them, many of them have YouTube channels or social media. Obviously check their credentials, make sure that they have good credentials, but they usually will talk about some basic exercises. Some of them are very specialized. For example, if you are a mom and you've given birth, There are lots of physical therapists who specialize in pelvic floor training. So you can watch, look at their social media content and get some basic exercises and get going in that way too. And I was just going to add to the two to three pound weight advice you gave, which is that you could use cans of food as your beginner weights if you are not interested in investing in the two to three pound weights yet. Awesome pro tip. Yeah. Yeah. So... What have we learned today? What are our takeaways? All right. So we should aim for that at least 150 minutes of moderate intensity exercise. Remember the ones where you could still carry on a conversation or at least 75 minutes vigorous activity. The ones we're talking would be difficult per week. And then two days of strength training per week as well. What else are your takeaways, Sarah? The other thing that I would say that's really important is don't make this complicated. Don't put too much bandwidth energy into like trying to figure out the perfect situation for it. And if I was to flip that into a positive, it would be experiment, have fun with it, find something that brings you joy. There's a tennis star out there who said, just try to win ugly, you know? (laughs) And I know there's some exercise people out there that say win ugly, which is just get in there and do it. Even if it doesn't look the way you think it should look in your head, moving any is better than moving none. And moving more is better than moving less. (laughs) Well put. Well put. That was an excellent summary. Awesome. All right. Well, this has been a fun episode. And next episode, we're going to talk about stress management. So as Sarah mentioned, we're touring through the pillars of lifestyle medicine. So we hit nutrition with Kelsey, our fabulous RD. We hit exercise or physical activity today. And next we will tap into stress management. Yeah. So give us a call at 928-793-1353 so that you can ask us questions about this topic, nutrition, any other questions you have or questions about stress management. And feel free to check out our show notes for those resources we mentioned along the way. And thanks for letting us join in your healthy journey, everyone. This has been your Fruitful 15, where you can change your life in just 15 minutes a day. 